Hello and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Sox. And I'm Lori Sox. And today we're joined by Liam Starkey from the Inclusive Hub. The Inclusive Hub is a gym in Liverpool, England, inspired by Liam's nephew. And it is a place where everyone with all abilities can come and work out. We came across Liam and the Inclusive Hub through their social media footprint, where he posts so many wonderful videos of all the activities that are going on in this gym. It started as primarily a boxing gym, and now it's expanded. This is one of those If I Knew Then episodes. Again, here is an individual who's breaking down stereotypes. Everything you tell me that can't be done, I'm going to show you a place where it's done. And it's inspiring and hopeful and a reminder that we see each other and that we treat each other as equals and as human. And that's what the inclusive hub does. He's just changing the world and changing the narrative of having different abilities. So welcome, Liam Starkey. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi. Liam. How are you? Good to see you. I'm very well, thank you. How are you two guys? Good? We're doing great. We're doing really great. I have to tell you, when I first saw your group on Twitter, that's where I saw you on Twitter, the videos that you've posted um, just drew me in, and we're so glad you're here. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you for having me, and uh, thank you for doing the podcast to, to, to raise awareness as well of, of Down Syndrome. So, Liam, can you talk a little bit about your group? Yeah, and in 2016, my father, Gerard, who's from predominantly a boxing background, created a session a couple of hours a week for children who um, who have autism. Originally, it was, it was children who have autism. And over a period of time, we found that through non-contact boxing and through exercise and through social interaction, it was helping children and adults who may be differently abled, I don't like the word disability, who may be differently abled to lead a better life, in essence. Um, and since 2016, um, since my father created the Inclusive Hub, it's grew considerably into a huge, a huge sort of initiative that looks after quite a lot of people, you know, about 2,000 people, um, through exercise, through education, um, through social interaction. Um, and it, it's just grown considerably since its birth in 2016. But to answer your question, what we do is, is we empower people who are differently abled through exercise, through non-contact boxing, um, and we help them in all offshoots of life in terms of trying to help them have, lead a normal life, um, maybe get married, have a job, further education, whatever that be. But all our bread and butter comes from, basically, is exercise. And then everything else leads on from there. 
Now, what drew your father, I guess, and you to autism? So I have a nephew who has autism, and he he's quite restricted. He's nonverbal, and it was quite frustrating growing up that I couldn't really interact with him, as 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 have the relationship with him that I wanted to have with him, and through my father's background, he noticed that a lot of parents were inquiring to, to bring their children for some respite through exercise and having first-hand knowledge of autism. He's had thought, well, yeah, okay, we'll give it a go and let's see how we get on in terms of, again, non-competitive boxing, but let's just see where we go. And it, it was unbelievable in terms of the results that we were seeing, in terms of overall well-being, um, raised aspirations, the parents then having raised aspirations in themselves, they just quite simply weren't any negatives to sort of exercise and, and what we were providing. So from our first hands experience of, of having a family member with autism, we sort of understood where parents and relatives and carers were at with the child or the young adult or an older adult who may have Down syndrome or any sort of additional needs. So we sort of click quite early that through sessions, through exercise sessions, it was beneficial. And then um, from there on in, it just grew from there really into different types of sessions, different types of abilities, different age catchments, where now we just work with anyone who's who sort of deemed to have an additional needs or deemed to have a mental health problem. Well, for our listeners, I, I what would be great, I think, is to just give your Twitter handle. It's your name, Liam Starkey, 84, L-I-A-M-S-T-A-R-K-E-Y, 84. And there's so many videos there. I mean, you post a lot. And, you know, for us, our podcast primarily at first was about our experience with Down syndrome. And I remember early on in this adventure with, with our Liam, um, we were kind of told, you know, his low tone was going to really affect his ability to do activities. Although then there's that stereotype of like, oh, but people with Down syndrome have this really sh- the strength, this like superhuman strength sometimes. So it's like this weird thing that we that we get thrown to us. But we know as a community, a Down syndrome community, how important exercise is. We can see it. We can we can see what happens when any child starts to be active. And it's very easy sometimes for our community to, and people that surround people with Down syndrome, will let them go about not being active. Because it's usually a human's choice not to go out and work out real hard. You know, until we start doing it and realize the benefits and want to do it, at first it's like, no, I'd rather sit down and watch TV. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather, or even if it's something productive, like sit down and read a book. But like being active, um, isn't promoted in our, I, I don't believe it's promoted in our community. Um, it's not promoted enough in society, but I, that's, what, that's what really drew me to your videos is that, gosh, look at how we can move and what that changes. Yeah, totally agree. What I was going to say is I think there's a stigma against people who are differently abled. Unfortunately, a lot of people who are differently abled haven't got the access to go and have regular exercise on their own. So then lies, they will have to need, you know, they will need support from a parent or a family member, some sort of sibling. So 
the whole idea of, of ourselves is to give someone the independence and the confidence to be able to exercise. Exercise is paramount to anyone. It doesn't matter if you've got if you've got an additional need or not. Anyone in this day and age now, in my opinion, needs exercise in their life in some format. Um, I listen to Arnold Schwarzenegger's Pump Club podcast, which is I'm a massive fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's fantastic. Yeah, and he, he retweeted one of our videos recently on Twitter. And um, again, if you listen to his podcast, he, his podcast is aimed at everyone. And again, it, it wouldn't matter if you've got an additional needs or or if you're classed as mainstream or whatever it may be. The benefits of exercise in whatever shape or form are so vital to your mental health, to your overall well-being, to the way you can handle pressure, you can handle life. Now, if you have an additional need, why can't you lead a normal life? Why can't you go and get a job? Why can't you have your own, create your own family? Why can't you live independently? And I think a lot of a lot of the stigma against people with additional needs, especially Down syndrome, is that I'll oh, be okay. Give them an iPad, or let them crash out on the sofa and, and watch the TV, and they've just sort of put into the corner to stagnate. And I think that's what sort of uh, pushed us on really because we see we saw the benefits of exercise not only for ourselves personally because exercise has been pivotal in my life but exercise for anyone um, and it is for everyone and anyone so why not why not for someone who has an additional need um the thing with it is there's no negative so in terms of helping someone to provide them with a safe space to exercise even if it's in a park even if it's at home or if it's in your own garden for 30 minutes a day, the benefits not only to the participant, but the participant's family is boundless. It's it's, it's endless. So why why isn't everyone doing it? It's probably a lot of down to in the UK, a lot of a lot of parents in deprived areas don't feel like they've got the time to do it, which is crazy. Not only for themselves, but for the for the child or the young adult who may have an additional needs. But yeah, we've been banging the drum now for many years in terms of doesn't matter what colour your skin is, what religion you are, what ability you may have, exercise is vital in order to live a better quality of life. And you know, I challenge anyone to that argument really. Um and again, if you are differently abled, you do we have seen in many cases medication costs come down, aspirations raise. So again, yeah, it, for us it's key for anyone really to if they're not doing it now for themselves and for their child, they need to start doing it now to, to lead a better life. I think it's like you said, it's a stigma and there's so many stigmas around different abilities. And, you know, we experience and, and we learned from the inside of the misperceptions of Down syndrome and the ability. And I and, you know, it's so it's so hard for parents because I believe that we have this added challenge of society and what how society views our children because everybody is under a microscope for judgment you know driving down the street or walking down the street uh you people look at you and they'll make a judgment but very rarely do you know what that judgment is you don't have to listen to it or entertain it but every step of the way, if your child is different ability, like from the diagnosis, whether it's when you're still pregnant or, or right at birth, you start to be fed this false narrative that really is 
archaic. That's just, it's just from a very, very long time ago, and it's not rooted in, in any sort of truth. And, you know, that, that starts to, it starts to build this wall that we start to believe, and it's really hard to break it down. I know that when Liam, like, when Liam went to a very inclusive preschool, it was, he was just included. So when everybody played soccer, he played soccer. When they played basketball, he played basketball. But when he moved to the elementary school, the non-inclusive environment, he began a special PE, adaptive PE, which is actually a support in his IEP. And I think it might've been something that we had to fight for to prove that he needed. It was something that was given to us as a support like assistive technology or calculator. So we got it put in his IEP because it sounded really good, this adaptive PE for him to help understand the rules of the game or give him some kind of adaption when participating in games. He could even invite friends to participate from the class, which was really cool. It was really cool for his friends from the classroom to join in on this special PE which is great for socialization. It, yeah, it is great socialization. And it's a useful support if it's being used to hone a skill like you do academically. You're front-loading schoolwork, strengthening his abilities so he can participate with his peers in the classroom. APE should be used to strengthen his physical ability, his hand-eye coordination, the understanding of the game, you know, to prepare him to play in an inclusive game with his peers. But what it can become and what it became was him not really um, not being pushed to the same level or being given something that was kind of less than, you know, um, n not have. And he knows he can see his other friends playing football and soccer. And and this creates something inside of Liam like, oh, well, if, if I'm not allowed to participate, maybe this is all I can do. And then there's a, it's so hard to get kids interested in different activities, especially when they are challenging, because, you know, it might be physically more difficult for them for many reasons, whatever the, the difference is, whatever the challenge is. But being told that that's the, the end of the road, I think it makes it really difficult. And also parents don't, don't want their kids heartbroken and they don't, they don't want their heartbroken. You know, they're fed like a bunch of fears and the, the scariest thing would be to say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And what if, what if this happens or what if that happens when the truth is anybody walks into a gym Everybody needs supports. Everybody needs a glove unless they want something on their hand. They need the pad on the bar so they can lift up. They need, they, I mean, you go into a gym and that's it. Will you spot me? Will you spot me? And that's, and, and they need and instruction. I mean, they need instruction. Yeah. They need to know how to do it right. And if you go into most gyms, oh my gosh. there's a lot of people not doing it right that are neurotypical without, they're, they're just like, Speaking I'm going to. Speaking of uh, Twitter handles, there's like so many. <laughs> of just showing how people do things that aren't right in a gym, you know, like they need instruction they need to be shown and, and assisted. And, and I, I think that that's okay. We just accept that. And for some reason it's different. Like if, if your child has a different ability, if your child has an extra chromosome, if your child's in a wheelchair, what about the say, not even extra 
but the same consideration that everybody else gets, that's inclusion, you know, and we're told how important it is for our kids to exercise. We're told it's good for their mental health. We're told all of these things, but it's not inclusive. Mm -hmm. Like that, that belief is not inclusive. I mean, how has that changed? Like you went from your nephew with autism. How is that just, how, how has that changed? Like the, just the dynamic, like you get to see a human, you get to see that transformation. Yeah. So it's, it becomes addictive, strangely enough. So we didn't have any facilities in order for us to, to cope with the demands after word spread quite quickly, what we were offering. Luckily enough, we have got the facility now and we can take a lot more people in. But if you help one one person and change their life, then, you know, the, the, the boundaries are, are endless. So for myself personally and, and the team that we work with, our team and my fathers and, and everyone else, they have it in their, in their heart is just to spend some time with one individual to see what you can do in terms of what you've just what you've just said show an example give them a safe space in order for them to to try an exercise or to try something um like myself i'm not the best at everything so you know it's trying then to adhere to what's the what what they really you know what's someone really good at what's what needs work and i'm working on that and that's re, that's regardless of ability so seeing things firsthand where you're looking at I can take a session where I've got a guy that comes to me, Will, who's got cerebral palsy, he's in a wheelchair, and he, he can't use the left side of his body. Now, we've been working together for 18 months. Now, he's using, in certain instances, his left side of his body. Now, that, even if it's only a few inches either side, that for him now has, has changed his lifestyle completely. He feels more confident when he's eating out with his friends and his family. He's now more confident in talking to people because he uses his hands as expressions. He feeds himself properly. Um, he can use computers more often. And this is just from the form of here's how let's do let's say this exercise, let's say these stretches, let's have a social interaction, let's build your confidence. And week on week on week, each session, he improves gradually. It's a long process. But he spends an hour with me a week. Now I tell him when he goes home to practice at things at home. And his life personally has is, is, is improved so much more. And I can understand where parents could feel, you know, not confident in terms of bringing the child to maybe a mainstream session. And that's why we've been so popular because our, our sessions is just primarily for no one else, just for, for people who are differently abled. And no one's looking at anyone else. Everyone's just getting there to get to get like the sort of pent up anger out or the frustration or to get exercise, get the heart rate up. And that's what anyone else is there for. And that's why it's so it's so beautiful that the inclusive because it's a family together. Everyone's egging each other on. And it's just the word disability or anyone else's sort of ailment, it's just isn't in the question. It's just letting people just exercise. It's as simple as that. Um, and having coaching on hand to help if need be, to hold the pads or to give advice or to have a chat, a conversation, and that's it. And what we do here in Liverpool in the UK, I'm quite confused why not why, why isn't everyone doing it? Why isn't there a safe space in, in every major city at least, or you know, or in areas of the US where people with additional needs can go and have, and have a, an exercise session with a coach there with them? 
to help them once a week, twice a week, three times a week, whatever it may be. And now it just seems so restricted, especially nowadays where there, there seems to be, everyone seems to be on health kicks and there seems to be a lot of gurus online and stuff like that. A lot of people forget about, you know, people with additional needs are exactly the same as us, just on the surface of things that are slightly different. But I think even myself, I have certain mental health problems, other people have mental health issues and other, other, other ailments. But I know once I've done my exercise, I feel so much better and I can handle things so much better. And surely to God, that's got to be the same for, for someone who's got an additional needs. I don't know if you agree with that. Oh, totally. When you said that just um, expressing, like getting out that pent up anger, mm. especially if your nonverbal or the, the expressive language is a challenge. Yeah, what do we communicate? We need to release that. Like I have the leisure of being able to go to a class or go for a run or on my whim, like whatever I need to do to express that and just being able to, to physicalize it. I, I mean, what a gift. Uh, I, I was wondering, do you find the supports that you need in, in your gym differ from a traditional gym and, and how so if you do? Yeah, I mean, our gym is, is is not a traditional gym in any shape or form in terms of um, the people attending the sessions, unfortunately, as you know, because we, 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 we primarily help people who have got additional needs. If you walked into a mainstream gym, if you, if you like, there may be no one with an additional needs in there, in, in the gym. So I think a lot of people who have an additional needs, unfortunately, there's not enough spaces where they can go and have exercise or they feel confident enough to have exercise. Our gym is modelled on a traditional boxing gym, which in Liverpool in the UK, there's a boxing gym on every street corner, essentially. Desperations for myself when I was younger, the generations have changed now, but it was either to play soccer or football or to be a boxer or to be in part of some sport. So growing up all my life, similar to in the US, people will take part in sport. Our gym is, is looks like a boxing gym, but we call it a fitness suite because everything is taught out in terms of it being user-friendly for, for, for someone to use who might not be used to a gym. Um, the equipment is non-electric equipment. It's all equipment that is solely run on, on the person's uh, behaviour. An example of that, we use curved treadmills, which is, so if, if you get on a curved treadmill, Electric treadmill is automated, where a curved treadmill is, is only run off that person's steam. It's not going to change and, and increase in pace and the person's going to fall off. Everything is so easy to use and everything's quite clinical in terms of it being clean and there's no sort of distractions on the wall, if that makes sense. So it's just for, the, the main concentration of it is for a person to come into our gym who has an additional need, do you know exactly where they want to go and how they're going to use the equipment. They'll have a coach on hand to help them. Rather than it being, if you go into the mainstream gym where the music's blasting, you're not, you know, someone's using the machine that you want to use. There's a, a bunch of people over the sides of, of the weight area where you want to use. You're not going to go over there and you feel restricted and you're going to leave. And that's if you've got an additional needs or not. Our primary goal is to make sure that when a person is with us who has an additional needs, that for the hour that they are with us, that they're getting 100% maximum attention and they're getting um, the tired, they're getting everything out of them in terms of any frustration or any sort of, um, I say, pencil panga or any communication they want to get across, they they put it and leave it in that gym. And when they finish the session, 
that are better all around moods, that are better person to be around, and the family benefit because they get respite and they get a better version of of the participant once they finish the session. That's the aim. That's the whole aim of it. Unfortunately, mainstream gyms they don't offer that. They don't offer a, a safe, clean space in, in in many cases for people who have additional needs. They're not very user friendly, unfortunately. Well, when you talked about the environment of your gym and a workout session and how it's family uh, kind of feel, it made me want to go. I want to go into that gym and work out, you know. And and that showed me in my mind the steps because right right away I go, man, there there should be people with additional needs in every gym, you know. But then you did say, hey, the music's a bit loud, things on the wall. Maybe these are things that, yeah, these adjustments would be great for a lot of people. But the vibe of me wanting to first go into that environment and be part of that family atmosphere, uh, then I realized, yeah, the, every gym could have a space like this for anyone. I mean, there's plenty of times I want a quiet space to do an exercise or um, I want a treadmill that's going to go on my own steam my own power you know and so i do see that your gym is the start of a real inclusive environment across the board now people may still choose i want a gym uh like this only or a gym like that only but to have that hybrid is is uh fantastic some of the videos i saw of the boxing part was so liberating i felt because uh, contact and, like you said, the release um, is not something you see all the time in a structured way. Like, I would say that Liam is thought of, like I had mentioned that stereotype of, this superhuman strength, blah, blah, blah. But it would be an idea of an unregulated strength, a uh, a strength that is just kind of wild and not focused, right? That I think that's the stereotype that would be given to someone with Down syndrome. Like, oh, he just squeezes me really tight, like with no abandon, with no discipline. Well, that's right? what stereotypes and misperceptions yeah. are. So when I see the videos of people with with different needs focused on a bag or a padded... padded um, sparring? Yeah, like sparring. It, it's it's just so empowering, and it's, it's, it was, it's beautiful to see. Because I'm, I'm sure that you see that you know, that same, um, uncontrolled strength that like, if they're building, if, if a person's given the opportunity to then build that muscle and strengthen that input, like every time you lift up a weight, there's, there's something that happens where you're like, this is my strength. This is the weight of that weight. I mean, I'm sure you see that grow and change. Yeah. I mean, our, our sessions are quite structured. So, we have a start, the doors open at certain times and we have a start time for the session. So people who will take part in the session will, will either talk or the parents will talk. Some of the children will get on the favourite machines. When the session starts, we all either sit or we stand on a mat and my dad will address the group at the start of the session and explain structure. Here's what we're going to do today. And we do quite similar sessions, but it will be based around a group warm-up and some of the children, if not all of them, will be each given the opportunity to take part in, in being a coach and warming the whole group up themselves, empower them that way and build the confidence that way. And everyone's on an even keel. So you've got people of all different ages, all different abilities, all sat or standing, waiting for instruction. And they, they accept an instruction. And these are, on the surface of things, these are people who you may have very, very complex needs. But believe you me, if you have a safe space and a comfortable area, um, 
children on young adults with additional needs will listen, will listen to you and say, and if you say, right, here's what we're going to do. And then when when they, they can release the, the, the anger or do you they want to release any energy in a controlled fashion, they will do that. Now, if you shake, shake hands or if we hug, I, 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 we have double figures of children with Down syndrome who come to our sessions with the same routine and hug. And you get a tight hug and that's just a show of love, in my, my opinion. In terms of some, like a new starter, for example, who doesn't is not used to our structured sessions, you may come in wailing or that gets that gets contained straight away. We treat we treat the child or the adult, whoever it, whoever it may be, as a human being, regardless of any additional needs. You know, you speak and you give an example. If they continue to do that, you take them out and. We reset, reset and then we go back in into the group setting and it works we have a sensory room in our facility and a lot of new new starters who might have a sensory overload in the group session because it is quite a nice calm area if they're not integrating into the session straight away they'll be allowed into the sensory room to regulate and then they come back into the structured session and it might not work the first time but believe you me after a few times you'd be so surprised how, how many people, again, of all different natures, all different backgrounds, all different abilities, are taking instruction, joining into teams, and taking part in a group session. And that's why I post so much, because it's proven in every session that we take, what we do. Everyone loves structure. I think I love structure. Children with additional needs, in my opinion, in my experience, love structure. Um, new starters who may be not used to structure and maybe used to get in their own way, um, that doesn't work in our place. You've got to do as you're told. And okay, when's the time to put the gloves on? We put the gloves on and then we'll do it. We'll do probably a lot of our children are fantastic boxers because they've been coming for a while. The style's fantastic. They know what, what they're doing. But again, getting back to people who are not used to or may not have, may not be parents for someone who have additional needs or may not be involved with, with children or adults with additional needs. It's a little bit in my might be a little bit ignorant to them in terms of not understanding other other the children and other the parents around that. Um I think if you can look beyond that then you can see the person inside. A lot of people, you know, something that people need to be taught either in school when they're younger or taught on the TV or they need to they need to research it because in my opinion the stigma of of, of certain things or that dancing's own child is just going to be wailing around, he's going to be throwing punches or he might just latch out. A lot of coaches who who, who are involved in um, sports, they need to be taught this as well, in, in, especially in, in mainstream and schools that have resistant needs. I've spoken to coaches before and they feel, some of them I've spoken to feel a little bit scared to interact with some of the resistant needs, which I find astounding. But these people, you know, a lot, of, a lot of coaches do feel that because it takes them out of their comfort zone as well. So we need to educate people a lot on, listen, this child or this young adult has got an additional need, but still a human being. You may not be on the on the, the fit surface of things, you may not walk in normal and want to exercise and just dictate. You've just got to get around that. And then once you break down them barriers, you'll get to the end goal, which is exercise in our in our case is is boxing. But it, it, it's it's something that we need to educate the people around these children, the people who the, the, the governments and the, the you know the councils and the schools and everything else about our children that have got additional needs. They're exactly the same as us, just on the service they're not. 
and it's breaking down on barriers and for the end goal and for it to be exercise and, and for a better life for everyone. I think that's I think that's my opinion on, on the matter anyway. I think that's a challenge is because people can see our our children's differences that they're they're handed a different lot but we're all different and we all need supports when you said that they need to be seen and they need to be seen as equal and they need to be seen as human and I don't think I think that if you said that to someone who didn't have an understanding or someone in their life that had a different ability they would be like that doesn't even register to them because their children for the most part aren't experiencing having to prove that maybe down the line, but not right off the bat. That's not their their challenge. And you mentioned making them feel safe. And people forget about this, that even to learn, like for working out, for exercise, to learn. They, everybody, like I always try to, when I'm trying to understand my son, I'll say, what do I need in that situation? And we forget safety. Like we're not going to, we have to trust who we're with and we have to feel safe. And you know, when you're talking, I'm like, these are, these are things that here we have IEPs, you know, to create their uh, supports for their classroom. And these are things that should be written into the IEP. What is happening that my child feels safe in that room? You know, what, what is happening that, that, they feel comfortable because if you don't, that's, that's going to end. It's going to stop. Your kid's going to shut down just like you would shut down or I would shut down. So I, when you were talking about that and, and educating, I have had that experience with coaches, with my son, you know, Liam wants to play basketball. And I found that the coach at his school wasn't playing basketball with him because he doesn't know what to do. He's yeah. afraid. He, they're afraid. They're afraid that the the kid's going to be hurt yeah. more than another kid would be hurt, and and I I I think they're they're afraid to be stern with our kids, and it does become more about the adults' fears than our child's ability. So, what are some of the things I want parents to like to say going into that those classes that PE classes is just as important is just as important as the math class. So what are some of the supports? And, and that's what I wanted to ask you. Like, what are some of the supports that you use when you said, because everything that you just said broke down so many of the things that they have told us about our son, not being able to listen, not being able to follow directions, not being, you know, behavior kids are taken off the curriculum and out of the classroom all the time because they'll say no, their behavior. So what are some of the things you do for behavioral support? Can you talk a little bit about what that journey's like? Yeah, so we, we always we always recommend when we have an inquiry that um, we get as much information on the participants, the child or the adult, as, as possible before they attend the session. Why do we do that? Is because we have many different coaches who bring many things to the table for us. A lot of instances, we will also suggest that the the parents or the carer come with obviously come with the child or the adult, not hand them over to us in the session, but be there as a, as a as a sort of as offer of support or maybe a sibling as a gradual process for them to to come into the gym as a newbie. We have a we have a kitchen area where we have the gym and we've actually knocked the wall through, so parents can sit in the kitchen and watch the child, and the child can watch the parents. So they've got that comfort. They've always known that if need be, 
the parent or the carer or the sibling is is been in such insistence and then it's a slow you know slow process in some aspects where they build a rapport the main thing for us is building a rapport from the offset with the participants so having a bit of a laugh and a joke relating to someone who might have a, a football jersey on again on first instance someone might look like they've got an additional need but if you talk to someone normally you will get on the level with them quite quite easily without doubt just by talking to someone like the normal human being which these children are and these adults are but we, we again we do have many different coaches that often different styles we always make sure that we've got obviously female as well as male coaches on hand we have um a complex foster carer who's on hands who's staff who may you know if there's behavior that is something totally different to what all our staff staff have seen before which has happened before he will be on on hand to say well how about we try this how about we try that so it's basically having the team around you and the facility around you to offer that but to simplify it the first things first say for example you're liam in his school and he wanted to start attending basketball even if it wasn't one of the coaches he could have a rapport with, if it was a teacher in his class that maybe brought him to the basketball training session and was on hand to watch on the sidelines, that would maybe give Liam a little bit more confidence or the coach even more confidence. But again, it's it's a lot of it is, is in my opinion, is down to the coaches to open them doors up for the participants, for them to feel safe, for them to, to let them know that they can take part and let them know that they can achieve because everyone loves achieving goals. Everyone. And I think people with additional needs thrive on achieving goals. And if you can set out small goals and build from there, wow. You know, just watch them, watch a child grow in confidence and, and, and physically and mentally, um, like anyone else would. But again, it, it's about personally breaking down the barriers, having rapport on the offset, making someone feel comfortable and it's not a great science to it. A lot of it you can't write on paper. All of it is just talking and interacting with someone, just treating them like a human being and then giving them, opening them off to, to, to let them take part in, 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 in a sport or an exercise. It's basically it, in my opinion. It's just being human, right? I mean, I, I think of the fears we talk about from coaches or from parents of all different angles, these fears. I think it all stems from the fact that as children, at least our generation, and maybe it's getting better, but our generation and past generations uh, were, didn't interact with each other with people with different abilities. Uh, we, we've said it many times on the podcast. I haven't, I didn't go to school with, with a child with Down syndrome or, or uh, I don't think I went to school with someone with cerebral palsy. I mean, kids with uh, those abilities were kind of put in another classroom. So as an adult, as an adult coach who's never been around someone that's, you know, quote unquote different, there's going to be some fears. And I think once we really become the whole world is this inclusive hub, then, you know, we'll see that produce adults and coaches and parents that don't even flinch to say like you are, we just treat people like they're people. Well, I think it's so silly when a coach will say, I'm not comfortable around people who are different. You're always around people who are <laughs> different know. from you. And we, we talk a lot about the coach's fears or the teacher's fears, and but we don't talk about the student's fears. Like we don't talk about Liam 
go, let's just use Liam as an example. He's going to school. He's a, a, a teenage boy. He wants to play basketball. And if you don't think that he knows the difference between pick, being picked first and last, you're wrong. If you think that he doesn't like know the difference between making a basket and not, you're wrong. Like if I go to a new class of something I've never done, I... I can hide all my anxiety. Mm-hmm. I get real quiet. I get you might you be know, nervous though. I'm nervous. I'm I feel foolish when I make a mistake. I I feel and I th- I think that's it. Is that like our kids are and adults are, with disabilities and different abilities aren't seen as that. E- they're the same. We're the same. And and it's just making that that sh- it should be the same. Yeah, of course. And, and it's unfortunately there's not enough that goes on in 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 the world in terms of just basic human, you know, um, interaction with someone who has an, an additional need. The, the worst one I see is when people talk to the, the child's parents or the care instead of the child. And I just think to myself, you've got to take that stigma away from maybe a physical, you know, impairment in some shape or form. But they're still there. Everyone, as you say, everyone has, everyone's the same inside. It's just that we all have different traits, but with additional needs, because they're on the on on the outside in most cases, a lot of people just go, "Oh no, you know, I don't really want to, I don't really want to get involved, or I don't want to upset anyone, or I don't want to, I don't want to come out of my comfort zone." When it's actually quite easy, it's, it's there's no great time to do it. It's just basically being a human being and being open and kind and doing your job and saying, "Right, here's what we're going to do today." You know, it's like anyone else. No one's going to get a right first time and be perfect first time but that's for me and you and anyone else but again as you, as you probably know if you walk into a gym or if you walk into any facility um, it can be daunting especially if you've never been there before um, so imagine having an additional needs and going somewhere obviously not being fully confident in most cases not being able to express yourself properly um, not knowing how to use certain things and not knowing how to do stuff how daunting is that? So if you've got somewhere where you can go, where you're getting a welcome, you get you know a handshake or a high five or a fist pump, have a little chat, you might see some of your friends, and then you can get your trainings on and feel so much better after it. It's a life changing philosophy, and again, it just it, it, I just don't understand why it's not rolled out and not everyone is doing what we do, you know. Yeah, so you have the one location in Liverpool. Um, are you a, a, a foundation? Is there a way to donate to you? Or are you charging people? Is that how you're earning the money to be able to even do this? So we're called a CIC. So we are a charity. We fundraise to do what we do. And also in the UK, you can if you're doing certain initiatives and certain programs, which we do multiple programs, you can apply for, for funding for that particular program over a period of time. So we're a seven-day operation, um, currently open for around about 10 hours a day, maybe a bit, bit, bit more. And in them, them hours, we're doing different initiatives for different types of, of people. So primarily we work with children with additional needs, but we also work with, with people with mental health problems, male and female. We work with a lot of males who've been involved in domestic violence as well, just through our format of exercise. Um, but the facility now that we're currently in, which we're going to be in for a long time, has got a fitness suite, 
it's got a sensory room. We're just in the middle of uh, having a lift in installed because we have an upstairs where we have staff officers and we have a, a multi-purpose function room uh, and the sensory room upstairs and we have an IT suite built in as well. So the idea for us is to have it as a 24-7 premises where it's full to fully utilised by people who have additional needs um, and targeted initiatives, maybe for people who are suffering from social isolation or depression or mental health problems as well. Um, and again, it's it's just a safe space. It's, it's a hub. It's an inclusive hub where anyone can attend um, for, you know, however long they want throughout the day. And that's what it basically is. It, it'll... it'll It'll chain out people where they can go in, use the facility, and come out a better person. And hopefully, we can we can utilize the building to, to its full potential soon enough, and we can increase uh, the, the people that we help. And um, once we've 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 done that, and we've achieved that goal, um, the next step then would be potentially to look at what we do, and then franchise it across the UK. It just seemed quite a far, long way away that at the moment because we're, we're trying to get the building up, to, up and running to where we, we want it to be and be happy with. Um, but that's the, the goal. You've got to have a goal, and that is our goal, is, is primarily to, to, to get our building up and running and then to roll it out, to try and get this format and, and the way we think in different parts of the UK and, and look at the benefits then and, and see, you know, medication costs coming down, aspirations raising for parents and people taking part, people getting back into employment. You could go on and go on with the list of, of, of the positives of just giving access to people, uh, exercise and social interaction and education. How is your nephew? How long has he been, has he been working out and how, and what are the changes you see in him? He won't, he won't come to, he won't come to our gym. <laughs> <laughs> Did you tell him you started it for him? <laughs> We started it with him in mind, but he doesn't come to our gym and he all lives around the corner. He he likes to work out on his own. So he works out in his room. He's about six foot two, um, dark hair like myself. And um he very much likes his computer and he's got a select group of friends. He's got quite a social social life. Um, but yeah, he doesn't like coming in with his uncle and his, and his granddad to, to exercise. He likes people have got their own preference, haven't they? But he, he trains regularly. He trains, I think he trains about four or five nights a week at home. Um, so he's progressing really well. His his speech is, is coming on really well um, because he, he was born non-verbal autism. Um, but now um, he, does, he does sign language, but he, he, he does, you can, have, you can hold a conversation with him to a certain degree. Um, but, you know, sometimes you can be funny and you can have a laugh with someone without actually saying anything. So... We do, we, we do see him, I think, once every couple of weeks, I see him. But he's he's, he's 21, so he's, he's seen his friends. He'd rather spend time with his friends than spend time with his uncle. How does somebody join your gym? Quite easy. Um, we have open sessions on a Saturday and Sunday. So people will either just send us an email or contact us on social media, asking for details, asking for our address, and we can just turn up on the day. Monday to Friday, we have more bespoke sessions for different groups. Like young adults, we, we, we work a lot with, with care centres and care homes and um, young disability groups who have already got their group and they will do different activities and they will just book in a slot. And we work a lot with schools as well. Um, so Monday to Friday, it, it's it's sort of, it's, it's pre-booked because we like to keep it as a controlled environment, if you like. But on a Saturday and Sunday, 
it's open for anyone really who wants to who wants to come in and use the facility at the session times. And if someone wants to either come to the gym or just support you, can you give that email address or do you have a website? So our website is www.theinclusivehub.co.uk. Our email is the same, it's just info at theinclusivehub.co.uk. So it's quite straightforward. If you go onto Google, you can Google the Inclusive Hub Liverpool and it'll come up with all our, our website details. But our, so, our social media, we're, we're quite, as you know, we're quite active on social media and we, quite, we, we respond to messages within 24 hours and any, any questions or inquiries as well. So we like, like to think that we're quite accessible as well. Do you have any online courses? We don't offer any physical online courses ourselves at the moment, but when we have the IT uh, suite facility uh, complete, it's something that we probably will look into. We work a lot with uh, Liverpool John Moores University and the sports psychology department there. So we have placements that come to us every few months. They'll have work placements. And it's something that we've been discussing about maybe producing an online course for for people to to take, again, maybe in the US or across the UK, which would be beneficial, we feel, for for a lot of people. Can we take a second and just talk about your beautiful logo? You have it on your sweatshirt there. Um, We'll have it on the podcast, but... It's it's beautiful. Could you describe it? So basically, it's the live bird, which is the emblem for Liverpool City. Uh, in Liverpool, we have the the, the live bird. In here, the colours the colours of the autistic spectrum. So we set it against the black black uh, offset, which is how people see life, black or white. And then the colours the live bird is made up of all the different colours of the autistic spectrum, mashed up together. So it was in honour of of our children, really. But we have we had a, a famous artist in the UK called uh, Anthony Brown, Tony Brown, who's done a lot of a lot of work with BBC over in the UK, and he's from Liverpool. And we asked him to design us a logo when we first started out, and he created this for us. So it's uh, it's quite fetching, isn't it? It's quite nice. It's beautiful. Are those on your website? Yeah, so you can actually you can actually buy the t-shirt online. We we have a, a t-shirt provider called Sans Alpino. Which is is basically a um, a clothes designer from Liverpool in the UK. They're very 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 good quality, um, and you can easily buy them online as well. Which we, we like we like when people buy them online and then they show them off. Maybe if it's in the US or Australia or in the UK, and it's just showing your support for us. But the the nice one when you go out for a drink as well. It's a good uh, conversation starter. Sure. Oh no, I, I had to address that because it's it's beautiful. Thank you. Do you ever do any fundraisers or things like that? We've actually got a charity ball in November on Friday, the 17th of November in Liverpool City Centre in the Marriott. Um, it's a charity ball all in the aid of, of the Inclusive Hub. It's a sit-down meal. So if you, we're speaking to a few businesses and a few people to come along and we can show them what we do. We can show them some footage and they'll have an opportunity if they like to get involved maybe to to sponsor an initiative that we may have or sponsor one of our children. So 17th of, of November, Friday the 17th of November, Liverpool City Centre, we, we will have a charity ball. Is that something people can do, is sponsor uh, an individual? Do anything. We, we have people that will come and, and, and sponsor a certain programme or sponsor a certain um, person that they've been following on social media in terms of they may want to contribute to we can give them some hoodies or some t-shirts or 
maybe they can have extra sessions with a coach and pay a coach to have an extra session with them after school or after work or whatever. So we'll always make sure that any sort of donation or contribution is bought straight on the front line and is made active. It's not sat in a bank account. It's it's there and, and, and it goes straight back into what it's for and helping children. Is there anything else that you want to talk about with the Inclusive Hub and, you know, um, that you would want parents to know or understand or think about or be open to? I think to put it quite bluntly and to, 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 to make it a bit short, all I would ask is, is for people to look at our social media outlets and understand that they can achieve that with their children themselves or people who they know themselves. If, if we can, anyone can do it. And it's quite simple in terms of just providing a safe space or being um, being human with someone who's got an additional need and then, and then taking it from there. And again, if anyone wants to speak to us directly, we're always open if anyone's got any questions. Any of your listeners have got any questions that they'd like to ask me personally, I'll gladly answer them. Uh, or if they want to send us an email for any, any sort of advice or tips. But the basic advice I would give is, is basically just to say, if we can achieve it, anyone can. Again, if you don't succeed first, you, you will get there eventually in terms of providing safe exercise sessions for people who have additional needs. That's it. And it's life-changing stuff. Yeah, I think about the first story that you shared about the gentleman uh, and how he could only use one side of his body. Most of the time, we just take that as it. And we don't even try. But even if it wasn't a few inches either way, even if it was just a, a, a little bit, like you, how does that replicate in, in their mind, in their uh, way they look at life? And the thought that we're just trying something new. And I believe in you enough that we're just going to keep, we're just going to keep moving forward. We're not just going to stop and believe others. I'll, I'll believe you. I'll, you. You show me. It's really beautiful. I mean, Liam, I, you, you have such a wonderful personality. It's been so nice talking to you. I can only imagine the beautiful environment you've built in the gym, the relationships you've built, the value you have as a teacher and also as a learner. It's really a pleasure to talk to you. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to, to you both as well. It's not very often that I go on podcasts, but I feel compelled to, to speak to you and especially with you being over in the US, just to say thank you for your support and, and, and thank you for doing what you do with your podcast and, and, and raising the profile of people with, uh, with Sound Syndrome. So thank you as well and thanks for having me on. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod or visit our website ifweknewthen.com to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. From the top.